Well, hello out there, planet Earth, and happy Friday. Some badly hungover folks are just waking up following St. Paddy's Day. But it's Friday, and it's always Friday with me, Stephen Fry, your SMB guy. I-C-Y-M-I, or in case you missed it, SMB stands for Small and Medium-Sized Business. For the last 20 years, I've been a consultant for SMBs, a voice and a sounding board for business leaders, advocating on their behalf as well as their employees. I believe really strongly in sharing stories, providing perspective, and creating connection. So... Every single Friday, you can catch me right here on talkradio.myc doing just that, lending what is left of my mind and my voice to this live radio show where I interview SMB leaders as well as their trusted advisors. One thing that I've seen over the years is that some of the best thought leadership for SMBs happens on Friday when we feel that freedom of the weekend coming. However, we're all so anxious to start the weekend. These little pearls of wisdom, these clarity, these really clear thoughts, they're often overlooked. They're forgotten in in favor of our fun weekend activities and our freedom from work. Here on Always Friday, we take advantage of that weekend freedom and clarity. We like to discuss popular topics that are on the minds of SMB leaders, again, as well as their trusted advisors. The name of the show is not just a play on words. My last name means free in German, so nice fun fact for all of you, a little bit of method behind my madness. Today's episode of Always Friday is brought to you by SDA Wealth Strategies, a boutique financial services firm in the Hudson Valley, offering personal wealth management and comprehensive business solutions for clients. SDA stands for Simplifying Financial Lives, Designing Financial Strategies, and Advocating to Implement Them. SDA offers a concierge experience for individuals and businesses. The firm's highest priority is always their client's best interest while empowering people and businesses to be consciously proactive and to thrive today, tomorrow, and beyond. To learn more, visit SDAWealthStrategies.com. Some fun holidays celebrated this week. We had St. Paddy's Day yesterday. Also Purim. I celebrated both just playing Just Dance with my two daughters. So this is my life now, how times have changed since I was young and carefree. The shades are on. We're ready to roll. Let's do this thing. Today's show is all about the importance of basic cybersecurity. Have you guys ever heard the sentiment, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure? This technology-dependent world that we live in carries all kinds of risk for all types of businesses, small and large. It's never been more important for business owners to build a strong security and data protection foundation upon which their business can grow and prosper. Our special guest looks to raise the level of digital literacy for business owners by helping them acquire the tools and skills necessary to survive and thrive in today's digital business world. She believes that every small business owner deserves to have the peace of mind that comes from knowing their vital information is protected and secure. You're going to hear from the leader of an organization that has helped thousands of businesses automate and secure their information with data backups. The company helps entrepreneurs, franchisees, and SMBs of all types prevent catastrophic data loss that would otherwise cripple the daily operations of the business. Talk is cheap. We know that. We're here on talkradio.myc. We don't want it to just be talk. The goal here is let's use the insight on the SMB landscape and use it to create more impact come Monday morning after we've enjoyed the weekend. It's far too often in my travels, SMBs are focused on the product that is going to solve their problems. The shiny new mousetrap, the magic wand, the new tech, whatever it is. One consistent thing that I see out there is products change every single day in every facet of our lives, personal and business, no matter, it's all the same. There's no substitute for surrounding yourself with the right people and really executing on the process that's going to help you achieve your goals. You do that, the right products will be there when you need them. I can all but promise you, everything begins and ends with the people. So, in the spirit of surrounding yourself with the right people, we have a great show for you here today. I'm excited. Our special guest is none other than Kathy Myron, President and CEO at eSilo. She is a seasoned business leader and technology strategist with 18 years experience helping businesses secure their data and avoid the costly downtime that occurs when IT systems fail or get hacked. Kathy started her career at General Electric, where she worked her way up from an entry-level business analyst to become a VP and CTO, leading multi-million dollar IT programs and compliance initiatives. She later joined eSilo in 2018 to help smaller, less sophisticated organizations avoid common IT mistakes that put their systems and data at risk. At eSilo, Kathy brings 
enterprise ex- experience to small and medium-sized businesses that don't have a full-scale IT staff. She works closely with business owners, CEOs, and CFOs to educate staff and deploy turnkey security and data protection solutions. E-Silo solutions mitigate risks of data loss and insulate critical systems from disasters, errors, and ransomware. Kathy oversees all aspects of E-Silo's business operations and strategy, including product development partnerships and key accounts. Outside of E-Silo, Kathy is active in the SMB community as a speaker, trainer, and certified small business mentor with SCORE. She serves on the board of directors at South Florida Tech Hub and on the Technology Advisory Committee for the 10th largest public school district in the country. I'm out of breath reading about Kathy's credentials here. Kathy's a rock star. She's the absolute best person to speak with about this topic. As always, we're going to discuss my favorite questions. Who's your favorite movie or TV show character? What's your favorite movie or TV show? What's your favorite musical instrument? And who's the artist you'd like to hear play it? I love the personal spin. I can't help it. Joining me today from the very secure headquarters of East Silo in sunny South Florida, Kathy Welcome to Always Friday. So great to see you. Thanks, Steve. Happy to be here with you. I'm going to just say right up front, if anything happens with the technology during our show today, I'm just going to take full responsibility for it now. I'm sure Kathy has her connections as protected as they can be. Let's hear a little bit about the founder's journey. How'd you, how'd you get to where you are today heading up eSilo? Well, thanks. So um, I never thought that I was going to be an entrepreneur. It wasn't necessarily in the books for me. I had joined a Fortune 10 company. It's kind of the opposite of entrepreneurship, you know, as you read in in my bio. But working in corporate America for such a long time, I realized a couple of things. It was probably the best uh, real world MBA that I could have ever gotten. You know, the components of that part of my career that I loved the most was being able to fly around the world and do audits and assessments of different GE business units. You know, one day you'd be in uh, a healthcare uh, business, the next day financial services or a bank. And then the day after that, you know, an aviation business and energy and on and on and on. And so, you know, it was this amazing opportunity to see so many different things. And it afforded me the chance to learn how to learn if that makes sense. So learn quickly, think on your feet, really punch above your weight class. And so, you know, that happened in my early twenties and I loved that experience so much that as my career went on and, you know, I, I I moved up and climbed the ladder. I found that I was moving further and further away from that front end business facing uh, role. So, you know, my clients were no longer the finance or operations teams, but they were other IT people. And there's nothing wrong with that, but that just wasn't in, in, in my nature. I've always had one step in or one foot in IT and one foot in some other function. And I love to use technology to solve business problems. And so it got to the point where I was in my mid thirties and I realized that if I continue on the path that I'm on, you know, I, I might be gunning for my boss's job, but that wasn't necessarily a job that I wanted. And I wanted to get back to being a little bit more in the front lines and a little bit more business facing mm-hmm. and life sometimes has this way of handing you exactly what you need. And so um, I was fortunate enough to have met my husband at work. We were both at GE at the same time, which was incredibly fun, but incredibly awkward at the same time. Um, We were both in IT and we're both in similar circles. Uh, But when he had an opportunity to, to leave, we moved the family to Florida. I became a remote worker and just our priorities changed as we had a young family. That was my moment to do something different. And so I, I seized the chance I looked around at at where we live here in South Florida, and there's a lot of newer up-and-coming businesses, but not as much established, and it was a chance for me to go out and buy a company that I knew I could put my mark on and that I could uh, take the Fortune 10 learnings and apply that to a business that, that could really benefit from that and a set of customers who probably had never had any kind of exposure to Fortune 500 thinking when it came to technology and operations and resiliency and stability. And so that's what we've been doing for the last four years. And it's been an amazing, amazing ride. It's so fun to hear. I I, I just, I can't, I can't get enough of stories like this. So that's, a. I mean, I, I know lots of folks that 
that are entrepreneurial and go off and start their own ventures. I've been surrounded by them my entire life, but you know, the approach that, that you had with getting married and starting, starting the family and, you know, going and being a remote worker and then looking for a business to buy is you know, something that's increasingly popular now, but not, not always something that, that people are equipped to do. Talk to us a little bit about how you really shopped around for your, the right business where you can make your mark. So um, people may not know that just like when you go buy a home, there's a residential MLS. So you go work with a real estate broker. They help you understand what the inventory is. In the business broker world, there is a business MLS where same thing, people very um, quietly, very privately uh, will list their business with a broker. And if you sign a couple of NDAs and go shopping with one of those business brokers, you can learn about a whole lot of opportunities that are available to you. Um, and so I had never even realized that, that this was an option. I stumbled across it one day because um, Harvard Business School actually has a master's level course on how to buy a business. And I thought, well, this is really interesting. Um, and the premise of it was that if you graduate as a Harvard MBA, why start from ground zero founding something brand new where you usually have the skills and some level of experience and maybe a nest egg um, or, or backers, right? Financial funding where you can go out and buy something. And, and the, the book um, so th it's a course, they turn it into a book. So I read the book cover to cover. I was like, wow, this is fascinating. Um, because I never thought I, I really had much of an entrepreneurial bone in my body. I was, um, uh, I was, I am a first generation immigrant. My parents were from Hong Kong. So think tiger mother, you know, typical Asian student, good grades, good job, good job, good company, good company, you know, work your way up, become a manager, then a VP and this very traditional linear path. And when I realized that that didn't necessarily make me happy on the inside, right? It was an outward, you know, outwardly, I was very successful and, you know, had a lot of um, accolades, you know, knowing that there was another way to look at my career and to have a greater impact and to do that by buying a business, not starting from scratch um, and taking over from what someone else had already built and just learning to refine it. You know, that's really where my calling was. I, I like the idea of calling it a real world MBA. It's so applicable and uh, just, just, just great stuff. We're going to take a quick break, but we will be right back with Kathy Myron, president and CEO at eSilo. She's going to give us some pearls of wisdom here. Stay with us. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Are you on edge? Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower.
Welcome back, everybody. It's Friday. It's always Friday. And it's me, Stephen Fry, your SMB guy. We're chatting with my friend, Kathy Myron, president and CEO at eSilo, cybersecurity specialist, data backup, data recovery. They do a lot of things in the space, big product and service offering through these folks. So I want to sit out by my fire pit and just tell a quick story before we dive into the method behind Kathy's madness that she sees on a daily basis. This is one space where people can very easily be swayed by products and tools, but it's really another example of where you need to be people first with your mindset and mentality. It's not about the tools you're using. It's about the people advising you and the process for mitigation, for recovery, and ultimately that engineered response that creates resilience that Kathy was talking about. Kathy wrote an easy to understand book about ransomware, an ebook that's available for download. And it's, it, it talked about a lot of things that really struck my, my fancy. So, you know, there's multiple factors that make SMBs appealing targets for cyber criminals. There's limited employee awareness and a lot of times training from the top down on, on best practices for security and the technology being used. There's lack of sophisticated expertise and cybersecurity tools. They're understaffed or they have heavily outsourced IT groups or they have little to no capability to survive the prolonged outage of key systems or data. They have to keep doing business. It's noted in the ebook that 70% of ransomware attacks from the, from 2018's data targeted small businesses. The odds of an SMB being hit by ransomware each year is one in three. So I know Kathy's going to get into talking about what ransomware is shortly, but I wanted to also bring up that aside from the methods that are part of this book, the book spoke about other people that you need to consult with in addition to someone like Kathy to make sure that you have the very basics covered. And there's a piece from here that I just wanted to draw everyone's attention to. It talked about the cost of insurance. So chances are your business has some form of commercial general liability insurance, and you may be expecting that this policy would help defray the cost of dealing with a ransomware attack or some type of other data breach. However, you would be advised to check out the fine print of the policy and consult with your insurance agent to be sure. Most uh, commercial general liability policies, they include an electronic data exclusion, which eliminates all coverage for claims based on the loss, damage, or corruption, or inability to use data irrespective of how it was lost. One way to combat this is to consider purchasing additional cyber liability insurance, which is another type of insurance policy that's specifically aimed at protecting businesses from the effects of cyber crimes. Specifically, cyber liability can protect your business against lawsuits filed by customers or any other third parties that that's as a result of the security or data breach. So instead of, you know, worrying about filing a claim, let's get back to Kathy here who will help everybody put the right systems and process in place so that can really mitigate what happens you know, when somebody is really uh, approached for some type of breach. So, Kathy, let's get into the method behind the madness here with you. you know, this is the part of the show where we talk about the science behind what you do. We're going to get into what do you do, how do you do it, and how do you go to market for it. So talk to us. Yep. In essence, what we do is we help business leaders protect their data with simple, easy to understand concepts, automated tools, and really a foundational focus on their people, processes, and devices. So as you kind of alluded to before, everything centers on your people. And we like to take a very, I'll call it governance-oriented approach. If a business doesn't understand what the standards are, if they're not clear on what should be done, and then who should be doing it, whether it's something that the company needs to do for all of its people or for all of its infrastructure, or it's a responsibility of the employee to do things. And, you know, employees have to know not only what to do, uh, but be trained on how to do it. And then, of course, have the tools to support it, the tools and the infrastructure to support it, then you're not going to have a robust security program. So at the end of the day, yes, we offer offsite backups, cybersecurity training and awareness, assessments or audits, and consulting. So we can help identify here are your weak points, here are your gaps, here's what you should do to close them, and refer people to partners or to services or to tools that will help them close that gap. Um, at the end of the day, it's really we're helping people protect their data, and ultimately through that, their businesses and their legacies. I couldn't agree more. So as far as the different partners you work with, I, I know there's a number of different tools that come to mind, but as far as 
you know, some other folks that come to mind for me, we just talked a little bit about insurance. I think of commercial property and casualty insurance brokers that work with cyber liability policies, who I'll actually be interviewing one of them next week. But I also think of the risk management consultants as kind of folks who bridge the gap, you know, between both, you know, both types of parties, the tools that and services that deliver to businesses, but also the insurance policies that protect. So talk to us a little bit about how you partner with everybody. Yep. So couple of, of groups of people that we partner with a lot, IT consultants. And you might otherwise think that we'd be competitive with them, um, but oftentimes what we find is that IT consultants, especially some of the smaller shops that are typically servicing SMBs, are really stretched thin. And their people are doing the best they can, but they're jack of all trades, right? Supporting every layer of the technology across every industry, every platform that you and everyone else might be running, really hard for them to have specialty or expertise. Um, So we will often stand behind them and either manage the backups and do the security assessments for their clients, or they'll just refer folks to us. So those are really great partnerships and we can really help their people serve their clients that much better. Um, The other one is when you think about who are trusted advisors for small businesses, it's usually their accountant. It's their business attorney. um, It's people like that who Uh, when they experience an issue or when they have a question, but they don't know who to go to because they don't have a a full-on board, you know, they'll often go to those folks first. And so we usually will do educational training seminars, both for the accountants and the attorneys themselves, but also for the clients. Um, We partner with banks, same sort of thing. You know, they're often helping startups or people with business acquisitions who are learning how to be an effective business owner. And oftentimes cybersecurity or really just, digital technology in general is or can be very new to them. Um, A lot of our clients end up being in that kind of 50 plus age range where they built a very successful business before technology was so front Mm -hmm. and center. So they're having to adapt to it. We, We call it a digital immigrant, right? You're learning a new language, you're learning new tools. And I think that learning and understanding how to use the technology available to you at your disposal but also then to protect the information that you generate or that your clients trust you with is really core to business today. So I call it digital literacy, just like um, if you think about for finance, right? Everybody says you have to know your numbers. You have to know the basics of a balance sheet and a P&L statement. Well, it's the same thing. There's a minimum level of knowledge that everyone needs to have about their tech. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And uh, while we're on the topic of of the banks, this I mean, this kind of borderlines on some of the madness out there. But you know, this is something that I saw in, inside your book, and I and I know it's a you know, some of the book was published a little while ago at this point. But you know, I think everyone can attest to the idea of uh, banks, financial services institutions professional services, like, you know, some of the CPAs and attorneys that you spoke of, you know, being at risk for, for data breaches. They have very sensitive information for, you know, both personal and business enterprises. But the top one of uh, the top target for ransomware incidents, incidents that you list here is, has been healthcare. And that, that's not all that shocking to me with the amount of data and presence that, that healthcare has had over the years. But, that's uh, I feel like I hear you know, way more stories in my travels about banks and fi- financial institutions being really nervous about this. Even a couple of weeks ago on CNBC, I remember seeing it like yeah. a- almost every hour. <laughs> I'll tell you that um, I think people hear about the breaches of payment card information or payment related data, whether it's from a bank or a financial institution or frankly, just, you know, some e-commerce site that did something sloppy. Right. Um, on the healthcare side, though, we have seen and if you look at black market rates for stolen data, the cost of a social security number on the black market is about a dollar per per number. A bank account is maybe something like 20 to $50. A medical record is $1,000. And Whoa. a lot of that has to do with um, identity theft for insurance fraud purposes. Um, which has made that really, really, really valuable. The other thing that's kind of surprising when you look at those stats is the value of a social media profile is also more than a bank account. So it just shows you what are people using this data for? And a lot of it comes down to impersonation for purposes of social engineering or tricking somebody into thinking that you know the hacker is somebody that they're not to get them to do something even more nefarious. So you think about how ransomware, which is just malware that holds your your computers and your data hostage, 
how that gets into an organization is often because someone clicks on a link sent to them in a Facebook message or an email or, you know, on a, on a website. And so it's those types of um, crimes that that smaller identity theft, that's almost a gateway in many cases to something much larger. I think that's such an interesting perspective that you don't hear about every day. And thank you so much for sharing that. It's, you know, what on the black market, what are the rates that people get for, for compromising your information? And, you know, as Kathy was just saying, the, the largest amounts go to things like healthcare profiles and social media profiles. And so people are able to impersonate you know, other folks out there. That's, that's crazy to hear. Yeah, when you look at sort of the anatomy of a typical attack, it's not just one action. It's one small action that gets them a little access that allows them to do something else. Right. So action number two that gives them a little more access. And so, you know, the the ransomware gangs and the criminals and state sponsored actors that perpetrate these attacks have a very strategic plan. Like most people would be surprised to know how organized, how thoughtful they are when you have a very specific target. It's not. Yes, a lot of it is kind of crimes of opportunity. Um, but when you start talking at the enterprise level, it is a lot more, a lot more specific and, and targeted. So, you know, the, the enterprise level for sure. And a lot of times that's what people hear about in the news. But back to the SMBs that we talk to out there, big, big target. And there's a lot of you know, method behind your madness, again, as far as how you present the appropriate solution to the folks that you're getting to know out in the field. Talk to us a little bit about your three, two, one backup type of method. I thought this was interesting. Yeah, so it's the golden rule of backups. So three copies of data stored on at least two different types of media with at least one of them offsite. So the idea is if you've got three copies, that's the main one you use plus two backups. Those backups should be on different types of media. So internal hard drive, external hard drive, cloud. Um, and with one of them offsite and off network, you have all this diversity in the way that you're storing your information. So it's le- that much less likely that any one event, any one cyber attack, any one fire, theft, flood, et cetera, will wipe out all three copies. You know, I, I feel like it's, you know, and it's, it's definitely a golden rule that I've heard before it even participated in, but I, I feel like it's, it must be so few and far between the, like, the, the SMBs that you come across have everything you know, as buttoned up as they possibly can have it. And it just, it goes right into the idea with, with you, which I love of digital literacy and teaching you just what great IT looks like, just what, what good people look like, who people you want to do business with. So talk to us a little bit, like, you know, the three, two, one backup golden rule definitely is a, is a good gateway there, but just in, in more general terms about what great IT looks like for SMBs out there. Yep. So it's designing with resiliency in mind. Oftentimes we talk to small businesses who say, oh, I'm, I think I'm too um, small to be targeted or I'm not worried about, you know, losing access to things. When, when you peel back the layers, though, when you look, you realize they've got a server in a closet or under someone's desk. There's no backups or they have um, what they call backups, but it's really just OneDrive or Google Drive or, you know, some USB that's been there for seven years that's attached to the server. And I, I think part of the, the methodology is helping people think like a bad guy or think like a, a disaster, you know, a paranoid person, like where can things go wrong and right. how do I prioritize the things that are most likely to go wrong? And therefore with my limited resources, where do I align my budgets to address those things that I think are most likely to go wrong or be most impactful to me if they do. And there's no way to address absolutely all of them. It's not about perfection. It's about progress and creating resiliency. Totally there with you on that. We're going to take a quick break, but we will be right back with Kathy Myron, president and CEO at eSilo. Stay with us. Howdy. I am Joseph Franklin McElroy, host of the new podcast, Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7 Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. Are you passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. 
Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauver, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Welcome back to Always Friday with me, Stephen Fry, your SMB guy. We're chatting with my friend Kathy Myron, President and CEO at eSilo, data backup, cybersecurity training, methodology, mitigation, creating resilience. They can help you do it all. So, Kathy, this is the madness part of our show. This is where we take the artistic observational view. We tell some stories that we have from the field. No story too taboo. No subject too taboo. Uh, obviously, if we don't want to compromise client confidentiality, no no uh, need to do that, obviously. But uh, in your 18 years of experience that you have, I'm sure that you have no shortage of madness. And I'll just I'll just kick this off by saying the amount of content being circulated about this topic right now is nuts. And with good reason, I'm moderating a uh, webinar next week on this very topic with a couple of other folks in the space. But it, there's every other hour, it seems like there's some type of webinar or article or blog or headline that I see regarding cybersecurity and cyber attacks. So, you know, talk to us a little bit about some of what you're seeing out there. Give us some of the stories of madness. Yes. Well, I can definitely tell you that with the current global situation, there is absolutely an increase in in the volume of cyber attacks. But before I jump into the stories, I wanted to quick, share a, a quick little statistic for you. Um, and by the way, thank you for pointing out that I need to update the ransomware ebook with, with more current stats because 2020 and 2021 just absolutely skyrocketed the, the number of attacks. And so um, globally, it was a, a report by a, a firewall company. They did a study of all of their clients and they saw over 300 million ransomware attack attempts in the first half of 2021. Right. So we're still waiting to see the, the overall numbers for, for the year, but we're expecting that to be in kind of the 750 um, or so million range. But of the 300 or so million attacks, I live in Florida, so this is very important for kind of me and a, a lot of the clients that we have here. 111 million of those attack attempts were aimed at Florida entities, which I think is shocking. So wow. over one third of the global uh, attempts were aimed at Florida. I don't know if that's a statement about the state or the population demographics or the fact that we have a very vibrant startup culture. You know, there's, I have some theories on that, but not backed by any data. Whatever it is, you have a target on your back, it seems like. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and as do small businesses here, because one of the things that, that, that we hear from people, you know, regardless of whatever state they're in, because we, we do work nationally, is I think I'm too small to be attacked. Like nobody's going to go bother to go after my small business um, and so one of the most interesting stories and, and interesting, but also sad, um, was at the very beginning of the pandemic, there was an IT service provider, we call an MSP, managed service provider, who was fairly well established, so fairly large in this area. So they have about 150 or so clients. And because of an IT uh, remote access tool that they were using, um, so think about how if a technology company has to support the servers and computers of 150 remote offices, well, the only way for them to do that is to have essentially backdoor access to those computers. It's usually very secure, um, and that way they can apply patches or install software, do whatever they have to do. Um, because of a flaw in that software, all 150 clients were infected with ransomware. And the person or the, the organization that infected them was their IT provider. So the trusted organization who you expect to keep you safe, to, to avoid these kinds of situations. Um, and we learned about it because some of those clients, some of those 150 happened to be eSilo customers. 
And so one day we had a whole flood of phone calls and communications from clients panicking. And they said, look, we came in, we saw these messages on our computer. I don't understand what Bitcoin is. I don't really know what to do, um, but we need to restore our data from, from backups ASAP. And the long and the short of it was um, for about a dozen of those clients, we were able to restore everything from their offsite backups. Um, but through the course of the investigation, what a lot of the other clients of the MSP found was that one, all these customers were, were SMBs. So they were all targeted, so to speak. They were all hit. Two, they were waiting in line for days, if not over a week, for just a technician to show up at their office to just assess the situation and begin to help them. You think about, you know, if all of your customers are all hit with something, then you're just waiting in line. You might be number 57. Yep. <laughs> and so having a second wow. provider, someone who had independent backups that weren't affected by the ransomware enabled those, you know, our customers to get back up on their feet faster. So it was, um, I say that it was sad because some clients lost their workstation data. So their PCs, they didn't elect to have backup on their PCs as, from what I understand from, from that service provider. Um, but all the clients that we had, we got them back up and running in a matter of days. And I interviewed one of them, the um, financial controller for a 30-person architecture firm. Um, and we asked, you know, hey, tell us a little bit about the experience. What cautionary tale would you tell colleagues or friends or, or, or everything else? And she said, you know, we spend more on office supplies than we were spending on our backups and, and our security. And she got emotional. She actually, you know, cried. Um, saying that you you don't understand the price like we would have given anything to pay that ransom if we didn't have backups because in the beginning they were worried right they were waiting and, and nobody had called them back and, and they were confused and concerned and um, she says it's absolutely not worth it whatever price you have to pay if you believe in your business if you want to save it if you want to feed your children and pay your mortgage you have to do this to, to protect your organization I think that's such an important perspective that most offices spend more on office supplies than backups and that yet a lot of times people don't have it in place. I think it's very foolish of folks to think that they're they're not a target out there. And it goes a lot of times along with the thinking of, ah, it's, this is the way we've always done it. It's never, it hasn't happened to me yet. I've been in business 10, 20, 30 years. Like, why would I worry about it now? I remember ransomware issues going back 10 years ago, things like CryptoLocker, same kind of idea where you would either lose your data, pay a ransom, or have it backed up if you are fortunate enough to be working with someone like Kathy. So you know, what, do, what, do, what, what would you say to the, to the business owners out there that have that, that mentality of, this is the way I've always done it and I've never had any issues before, particularly now that we are so technology dependent because of the pandemic? Yeah, they, they say that there's only two categories of businesses, the ones who've been hacked and the ones who've been hacked but don't know it yet. <laughs> <laughs> and so the question that I would ask them is, is, do they have a level of sophistication where they would truly even know if somebody came in and just very quietly siphoned off a bit of their data and put it on the black market? And there are sites like Have I Been Pawned that will help you see if you find email addresses that have been compromised or passwords that have been stolen. But I think almost everybody that I know has gotten a letter from some vendor or some organization that says, we're really sorry, we had a data breach and your information was among what was stolen. So I, I think people are starting to understand the pervasiveness of it. I think the challenge is getting over the hump of, of motivation to what, at what point do I either take the risk and let it ride or agree to do something about it? And I think in often, in a lot of cases, people don't do something about it not because they don't think it's it's a real problem, but they just don't know where to start or they think it's going to be so expensive that, hey, I can't afford it. I'm, I'm just a small business. I'm, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just. And so part of what it, we tell people is one, it, it may not be as expensive as you actually think. These things are actually quite affordable. Two, it's not just hackers. They're not, hackers aren't the only bad guys, I guess I'll say. Um, we've had situations where um, the purveyor of a restaurant called us up one day and he said, um, I had to fire my restaurant manager. And on the way out the door, he walked through the back office, got on the computer. And before I could even do anything within like two minutes, he had deleted a bunch of files and then left. And so he said, I don't have our recipes. I don't have my employee time tracking. I don't have, right. So, he, you know, restaurant manager knew exactly what to go after to really hurt them. 
and probably because he was disgruntled about being let go. And in 15 minutes, no joke, while I was cooking dinner, <laughs> we had we had our technicians restore everything and he's looking through the files and saying, yep, everything is here. I can't even believe like he deleted some stuff that you know isn't even important. I don't know why he deleted that. Um, so you know, it's not just the outsiders that you have to be worried about, but it's it's sometimes insiders as well. And then it's things like physics. <laughs> so hard drives die. Like there, there's a lifespan to these things. And often with small businesses, because they have limited budgets or they're just, they're, they're busy running the business. They're not thinking about, you know, the tech. We find that people are running, you know, five, seven, 10 year old servers. And eventually those things are going to die. And when they do, what happens? Do you have a second copy of that information? How are you going to serve your clients? You're going to lose all this history. So it's, it's reminding them about the mundane ways that you can lose data that I think sometimes helps get them over the hump. You know, a lot of times I talk about things being people first and, you know, relationships and presenting all of that in a very positive light. But you just made a very important point, and I would like to dive into it a little bit deeper about uh, you know, I've heard and seen out there that a lot of times cyber attacks start internally, like where somebody, you know, it's, maybe they're sloppy, maybe they're not trained, maybe they don't have the tools. But there's also the piece that somebody might be disgruntled and unhappy or just let go of a, of a position. And that right there, there's, a, there's an insider issue there. So yeah, t- talk to us a little bit more about that. Like that's you know, 15 minutes while you were cooking dinner, like able to get it back up and running. That's like superhero status. It's, it's funny. We have a phrase that our job is to make you, our client, the everyday office hero, right? Because everyone's like, oh my gosh, you know, panic, full on disaster. And then in a matter of a couple of minutes and a couple of button clicks, they're able to reverse the damage as if, as if it never happened. Um, when it comes to, to insiders though, I think that's one of the hardest things to detect because yeah. you'll never you'll never know before somebody turns. And there are stories of um, ransomware gangs targeting people who, targeting them through social media too, who may have difficult financial straits or things like that, where they will incentivize them and say, hey, if the company pays a ransom, we'll give you a cut, help us get it in there. And then people actually sign on and and do that. So because you can't ever know, you know, with 100% certainty that everybody is trustworthy, you have to plan for the day that somebody somewhere does something they shouldn't and you have to have your own fallback plan. And, and that's kind of how I counsel all my clients. Is it's not that you don't trust your people or you think they're going to do something malicious. Just think about the day that they're going to make a mistake, right? How do you protect yourself against those mistakes? It's I think it's all in, in ignoring it. <laughs> it's also what you said earlier about the, getting people to think like a criminal a little bit. That's uh, that's that's an interesting perspective, too, like ran- ransomware revenue sharing, if you will, with somebody who might be disgruntled but hasn't left the company yet. Like, hey, we got them to pay. We'll give you a cut of it. That's that's crazy. It's like you don't you, that's not the kind of stuff that you see in the headlines and that you that you read about. Unbelievable. Love the perspective. We got to take a quick break. But we'll be, we will be right back with my friend Kathy Myron president and CEO at eSilo. Stay with us, everybody. Join us every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Eastern for the Mind Behind Leadership, where we focus on what leadership really means to us and to others. We have practical discussions with the CEOs of some of the world's largest companies, owners of small businesses, and experts in psychology and behavior to get that inside track, what to do, what to avoid, and what really happens. Join me, Graham Dobbin, at the new time, 4 p.m. every Tuesday for the Mind Behind Leadership here live on talkradio.nyc. Hey, everybody. It's Tommy Gee, the nonprofit sector connector, coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. Calling all pet lovers. Pet Avengers, assemble! On the Professionals and Animal Lovers show, we believe the bond between animal lovers is incredibly strong. It mirrors that bond between pets and their owners. Through this program, we come together to learn, educate, and advocate. Join us live every Wednesday at 2 p.m. at talkradio.nyc. 
You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Welcome back to Always Friday with me, Stephen Fry, your SMB guy. Not just me, though. We're talking with my friend Kathy Myron, president and CEO at eSilo. She works with data backup, data recovery, cybersecurity training, creating resiliency for SMBs and even larger and enterprise businesses all over the place. So you know, we've been talking about a lot of great stuff here today. There's plenty of madness out in the field, you know, not the least of which is things that are happening overseas that might have an effect on how, how we choose to treat our, our cybersecurity and our disaster recovery planning here in, in America. But we want to give uh, everybody, Kathy, a message to take away. The whole idea here is we want to create some weekend insight to make a Monday impact. And you've given us a lot of great sound bites here. I, I have like 14 pages of notes like sitting in front of me. But, you know, I, what I was thinking, you know, before the show started was, again, tools are great if you have the right people showing you how and why you're using them. But you definitely, you know, threw some other great things in there. You said you got to learn how to learn. You got to be able to punch above your weight class, not think of yourself as necessarily that mom and pop small business, if you will. But the, just the idea of learn how to learn, I think, is really important because this is kind of an ever evolving type of deal, including the, the types of insurance and cyber liability policies that you use to protect yourself in case anything should go wrong. They're constantly even changing the verbiage of how those policies read right now. So enough of me blabbering on about some of my thoughts here, which I have a lot of. But give us a little bit of, of messaging here, the weekend insight to make a Monday impact. So the one, if I could leave the listeners with one thing is that when it comes to cybersecurity, there is no silver bullet, no magic diet pill, so to speak. (laughs) And the marketing for different MSP providers, different tool providers, you know, software, hardware, whatever, they want to make it sound really, really simple. Buy this, and it is the only thing you need. It is the comprehensive, all-in-one tool. And when I I do training, there's actually a slide that I've put together that has um, some of the most popular antivirus platforms. So think Norton, Avast, McAfee, things like that. Um, And in their marketing, it says this is literally the only thing that you need for complete security. And anyone in the industry looks at that and they shake their head <laughs> because these tools cost less than a dollar per endpoint. So it's, it's basically free. They're giving it away. And in a lot of cases, those companies have had some questionable practices in the past of selling so-called anonymized data or installing crypto miners on your computer when an antivirus program is supposed to be eliminating that kind of stuff um, or having some of their own security vulnerabilities. And so I think the message is that you know, the average consumer, well, first of all, the average business owner is really a consumer at heart. So if they haven't had security awareness training, if they don't have a technology background, they're bringing their consumer attitude towards security into their business, right? That's kind of um, challenge number one. And they are fed this marketing that says, you know, antivirus is all you need, or um, a password manager is all you need. And the reality is, is that technology is layered. It's like, think of an onion, And there's physical layers, logical layers, hardware, software, it's all these different things. And every one of those layers needs its own set of protections. And so um, you can't assume, you can't listen to the hype that any one shiny tool is going to do it for you or any one vendor is going to do it for you. My advice is always choose redundant controls, redundant uh, technologies choose multiple providers so that you always have one to fall back on and that you always have different perspectives in life. Um, it's kind of like saying, you know, in, in the diet industry, oh, I want to lose weight. So all I do is literally take this one pill. We all know that it's food, it's exercise, it's habits, including sleep and meditation and, and many other things. If you want to be healthy, you have to do all three of those. It's a three-legged stool. Technology is the same way. People, process, and tools. Tools are one piece, but you have to address the other two sides or you're going to fall flat on your ass. (laughs) 
Yeah, I, I really couldn't have said it any better myself. And it's it's a shame that this it, this part of of doing business is so easy to gravitate towards tools and products and one stop shop. You know, and, and you know, work with us. We're going to help you with every piece of it. It just it just doesn't jive that way. And it's it's funny. I, I put on all green just to kind of echo St. Patty's Day from yesterday. But I have this shirt that you just reminded me of that says Department of Redundancy Department on it, and it's just very applicable for 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 you and your world. There's um a really cool quote too that I, I, I use and it's um it's by this organization called teachprivacy.org and they say the best way to protect data security is to get rid of all the humans. Plan B <laughs> is to train them. And and I love that quote because um back on the tools, no matter how sophisticated you build up your infrastructure and your security you have to give some human somewhere the keys to walk through the door. And if you don't teach your people on how to avoid getting scammed themselves or tricked into doing something that they shouldn't, how to detect someone that's fake, um, whether that's a message or, or whatever else, or something that's potentially malicious, then the best defenses in the world still will not protect you. And so it all comes back to the people. It all comes back to the standards. You know, What do they need to do? How do they need to do it? And have you trained them? Have you trained them to do it? Absolutely. One thing that you mentioned before caught my ear. Uh, have I been pawned as far as, a, as like a site or a service that helps you eliminate like your data being out there? I've I've heard and seen that one was a duck, duck, go or whatever as of late. I don't know if that's something similar to that where it tries to remove your information from wherever the hell it can on the Internet. Yeah, duck, duck goes a little bit different. It's more of like a, a privacy based search engine. Um, have I been pawned just tries to help you determine it, what information, what email addresses and passwords and stuff might be floating around on, on the black market. There are some critics of it that say, you know, when you sign up, you know, could they be <laughs> using and taking information? But, you know, when you operate in this space, you always have to have a, a healthy dose of skepticism for everything. Agreed. Um, sites like that do help you at least get kind of a gauge on, on where you are. Um, good password managers will also do the same thing. They'll do a dark web scan for you. Well, to help people along with their skepticism and actual planning for what might go wrong one day, Kathy does have a number of tools available to everybody out there. If you visit freetraining.esilo.com, there are some free short one, two minute cybersecurity training videos. Uh, Kathy will offer listeners a free data protection assessment. If you book at meetkathy.com and you mention Friday free DPA, there'll be a free data protection assessment. But also for new backup subscriptions, again, things that cost less than off the supplies people get it in place first three months will be free with a new subscription nice exclusive offer for always friday listeners definitely appreciate that kathy really appreciate you joining me here today above all i know we've been talking a little bit very excited to have finally had you on the show but before i let you go for the day we are going to revisit my favorite three questions that bring the human element back into everything. Who is your favorite movie or TV show character? What's your favorite movie or TV show? What's your favorite musical instrument? Who's the artist you'd like to hear play it? So without further ado, your favorite TV show character is from The Expanse, a show that I haven't gotten into yet. It's Christian Avasarala. Hopefully I said that right. The Expanse, set in future where humanity has colonized much of the solar system. This character is the UN Assistant Undersecretary of Executive Administration, later the Secretary General, who speaks her mind with no filter and tells everyone exactly how she feels. And I thought that was actually rather applicable for you, actually telling, shooting people straight and telling them how it is. She's got a lot of guts and she, she definitely lays it all out there. And I, I just love seeing strong women characters and her say the things that many of us have wanted to say, but always bite our tongue. It's uh, beating them over the head with digital literacy, right? Yeah. <laughs> I love it. So you gave me a couple of favorite TV shows, which some of which are very, very applicable here. So you had mentioned Lego Masters, which is not one that I've gotten into yet, but Lego enthusiasts participate in a series of competitions that begin with a single Lego brick and then conclude with inspiring complex constructions, which I feel like that's extremely relatable to what you do and how you do it with systems development. Just to be clear, it's for my kids. So we watch this for the kids um, although it is cool, right? No, no, no judgment. No judgment. I got the kids running <laughs> around. You have to see what I'm exposed to with two daughters in the house. It's ridiculous these days. But it's cool to watch 
watch somebody take some like build something and something beautiful from nothing. And so that there's definitely something to be said about that when you work in technology and everything's abstract, you can't ever see any of it. So in the uh, on the spirit of building something beautiful from nothing, you also talked about America's Got Talent and The Voice, which, you know, for a second felt like the complete opposite end of the spectrum of where you were going with with Lego Masters. But yeah, I, c- I could totally see that, you know, talent competitions where you're trying to find the newest of new singers and dancers and novelty acts and whatever it is, you know, all competing for cash prizes, obviously. And you know, see if, uh, if there's any data floating around out there that gets compromised. But, you know, it's 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 something where you can totally see something blossom out of out of nothing so i totally get that the reason i like those is because of the sheer joy on people's faces when they work at something and it gets recognized and so i watch it to kind of like make myself happy at the end of sometimes you know a, a day filled with a lot of uh stressed out clients so it's a, a good way to put a good happy ending on on things yeah and as my pictures will t- tend to show everybody looks happy when you're snapping shots of the of the voice or America's got talent <laughs> as as far as your instrument and the artist you mentioned the sweet sounds of the cello played by None other than Yo-Yo Ma, the child prodigy performing from the age of four and a half, graduated from Juilliard School and Harvard University, performed as a soloist with orchestras around the world, and has recorded more than 90 albums and received 18 Grammy Awards. I think that's very relatable for you growing up in corporate America with the real world MBA, so to speak, and then bringing all of that knowledge where it hits on everybody's ears with with the right tunes of digital literacy. I love it. And I just love it because it's mellow and calming. And so anyways, yeah, Yo-Yo Ma's always been my favorite. And honestly, the ch- because the cello is my favorite instrument, I don't know who else plays it. She's the <laughs> only one I can think of. <laughs> well, the only other time that answer has been given, I'm pretty sure it was Yo-Yo Ma, which it has been given before. <laughs> so Kathy, thanks again so much for joining me here. E-Silo all over the internet. You could find Kathy. Kathy T. Myron is her, her hashtags and at symbol and all that jazz. You can find her. She's all over the internet. Coming up next week, we're going to be talking with my friend Eric Goldstein, owner of G5 Insurance Agency, revisiting the idea of cyber liability insurance. So the policies that you actually need to put in place here, but all the way to the other extreme, Eric and his team also specialize in dealing with farms in the agricultural space. But most importantly, they're people-focused first and foremost. So again, in partnership with SDA Wealth Strategies, I'm going to be doing a live webinar uh, next week, Wednesday at 1 p.m. around the topic of cybersecurity, business continuity in a cyber risk environment. Eric will actually be one of the professionals joining me there. I'm going to create some more content with Kathy at a later time because I can't resist talking to you. It's phenomenal. Until then... Thank you for joining us here on Always Friday. We hope you gain some weekend insight to make a Monday impact. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next week, Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.myc. Bye, everybody. business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. on edge hey we live in challenging edgy times so let's lean in i'm sandra bargeman the host of the edge of every day which airs each monday at 7 p.m eastern time on talkradio.nyc tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges that's the edge of every day on mondays at 7 p.m eastern time on talkradio.nyc informed about menopause and how it impacts on your life? 
Hi, I'm Pat Duckworth, women's health strategist and host of the Hot Women Rock radio show, empowering women leaders at menopause. Join me every Thursday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. UK Time on talkradio.nyc for interviews with inspirational women who will share their top tips to rock your world. In a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us. Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. 